This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is behind the steel curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again. It's Thursday morning. We are at the midpoint of July. We are here. It feels like I haven't been with you all for a while because I recorded last week's episode a little bit early because I was on vacation. And because of that, it's it's nice to get back, talk at numbers and everything else. I, I can't believe that July is halfway done. It feels, feels like just the other day I was saying it's July 1st. And here we are halfway done knowing that the Steelers are going to have padded practices before the end of this month, that they're going to be having training camp at Heinz Field with fans in attendance before the end of July. We are talking two weeks. We are talking less than two weeks. We're talking 13 days from now is when fans can be there watching their first padded practice. Now, I talked about this this week on the Scobro Show. I don't know that that's when the Steelers are officially, quote unquote, starting training camp. We don't have any official date of when the team's starting to meet, if they're doing any ramp up activities before their first padded practice or anything like that. We do know that they can start July 21st. So that we're talking about less than a week away that the players could report, they could have meetings, they could do various workout stuff. I don't know exactly what the Steelers are doing with that. They have kept that very close to the vest, but we do know the dates for training camp where fans can attend. So we are here. It is crazy that we are this close again. I can't wait. It is so difficult to try to get to that point after, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about the NFL draft and you get up to the draft. Then there's a lot of stuff going on after that. And you're just hoping that you, you know, you're covering the draft, your any kind of signings. And right now after mandatory mini camp, it's just in that lull and that lull is almost done. I can't wait to see what the 2021 Steelers are going to bring. Now I, I want to clarify something from last week. I actually found out who it was that asked the Ryan Shazier question. If you caught last week's episode, it was about, was Ryan Shazier on pace for a Hall of Fame career? I laid it out a couple different ways, you know, looking at his whole career of four seasons as an average, looking at if he just repeated the last two years he had. He was still on an upward trajectory, in my opinion. Go back and check out last week's show. But I want to give some credit. It was Blaine from Blaine. So you're like, what? Yes. Uh, Blaine from Blaine, Minnesota reached out to me and said, Hey, I listened to your podcast. That was me that reached out to Jeff. And, uh, it was really nice to hear from him in order to find out that this is what's going on. He's the one who asked the question. So I was able to answer that. So I'm going to say it again. I'm looking for questions. STLR super fan dad. That's my Twitter handle. STLR super fan dad at gmail.com. That's my email. I'm looking 
for a few more questions to help get us to the preseason. Because then after the preseason, we have a game. We can actually talk about stats and some things we can look at from each game. But um, until then, we're still looking back some past stuff. We can try to project stuff for this year. That is difficult to do. Even from a numbers guy, I mean, I could try to look at trends. But we know that football isn't all just always just about oh this team is is statistically trending this way or that way. It's you got to step out on the field and play the game. Bottom line. So we can do that some, and I've tried to project some stats and stuff in the past, but it's all speculation. I'm ready to get some actual new data by having the Hall of Fame game and seeing what's going on there, which is now less than a month away, and getting the data from that in order to talk about the upcoming season. But what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about getting to the quarterback. That is something that the Steelers' defense has been able to do quite well in recent years. They have led the NFL in sacks um, four straight years, I'm pretty sure. I'm only looking back at the last three years because I'm looking at some advanced statistics. And when you're looking at those advanced statistics through pro football reference, they only go back through 2018. So I only had the last three years. But the Steelers, they've had over 50 sacks for four straight seasons. Uh, I'm hoping that they're going to get to 60 this year between the extra game and just what they can do. That would just be something fantastic to see. But what I wanted to look at is look at some of the numbers compared to the rest of the NFL, mainly in 2020, but even compare them back to, to years before. We've got things, not just uh, sacks, but I'm going to look at you know how often are the Steelers blitzing. That's a really difficult one to look at, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to look at you know what's considered a hurry for the quarterback and their hurry percentage, quarterback knockdowns and their knockdown percentage, pressure and the pressures percentage, all those things which kind of come together because it's not always about getting the sack if you're pressuring the quarterback. Even if he gets the ball away, does he knock down? Are you hurrying? The, you want to not let the quarterback be comfortable. So even when you don't get all the way home with the sack, these other numbers matter as well. Now, blitzing. Before I get into this whole thing, I want to talk about this because if I didn't, I think Jeffrey Benedict would possibly be upset with me because it's really tough sometimes when you calculate if the Steelers actually blitzed or not on a play. Um, I'm going to go with pro football references numbers, but I have to give this disclaimer because sometimes... And what the Steelers do, Jeffrey talks about a hug blitz and things like that. It, it's, I'm going to try to describe it in the way that I understand how, how these kind of things work. Is Sometimes you'll have a linebacker matched up in pass defense on a running back. So their job with that is to key on that running back. So if the running back goes out you know, in a pass pattern, they've got to make sure they have them covered. But what if they don't? What if they stay in to block? If the if the linebacker just stands there and watches the running back and, and he doesn't go and do anything, what he's ultimately doing is allowing him to block somebody else while, while that linebacker is not contributing to the play. That's not a very smart idea if you think about it. So if it might be one of these situations where a linebacker is going to be covering a running back and therefore the running back stays in to block. So what does he do? 
you kind of blitz at that delayed blitz almost at that running back. Because if nothing else, not even that you're going for the quarterback, but if nothing else, you want that running back to have to engage you as the linebacker so they're not free to block somebody else, if that makes sense. And if the linebacker goes at the running back and not just at the quarterback, then they're also free if that running back just flares out at the last second for a quick dump off. They're still right there on the guy they're supposed to guard. The problem is sometimes it's hard to, it's difficult to tell if that player's blitzing or what they're doing. So I'm not exactly sure how they classify those things um, with pro football reference. So that's why you can take these numbers, you can look at them, but plays like that sometimes they're not just black and white. There's some gray area if there was a blitz or whatnot. But let's go ahead and roll into some of these numbers so we can just kind of have a good time with it. The Pittsburgh Steelers had a higher blitzing percentage in 2020 than they had had any of the last three years. Yet, they were third in the league in their blitz percentage. It was the first time since I I could go back to from 2018 where the Steelers had a blitzing percentage over 40%, where they blitzed over 40% of the time. It was 40.3% because it was 244 blitzes is what they were attributed to with pro football reference. Now that is just behind the Miami Dolphins who blitzed 248 times, which was 40.8%. And the Baltimore Ravens who led the league in blitzing, they blitzed 290 times for 44.1%. And believe it or not, that was down from the previous year. We'll get there. So the Steelers are one of the more likely teams to blitz. I do not have this broken down. I tried to find it, but it's really difficult to do unless you're charting all the plays yourself of how often they blitzed on what down, because believe it or not, the Steelers are not known for blitzing a lot on third down. So if that's the case, that means they're doing an awful lot of blitzing on first and second down because it's, it's taking it, the numbers for what they would be doing if they were blitzing since they're not blitzing as much on third down, but that's just kind of the overall narrative about the Steelers. I don't have the precise numbers to back that up and I'm sorry. So the Steelers blitzed, you know, third most in the NFL, just so you know, the bottom of the league, 16.3%. The Los Angeles chargers didn't even blitz a hundred times in 2020. So things like that. But when you turn around and look at it, at what they do, They're also not ranked overly high in sacks and things like that. Now, just because the Steelers blitz doesn't mean they get a sack. And just because the Steelers get a sack doesn't mean that they blitzed. You know, they can, they can get sacks without blitzing. So I don't, uh, the sacks aren't broken down that way, but we do know that the Steelers led the NFL in sacks last year with 56. The Rams were second with 53. They were the only two teams over 50. So the Steelers were first in sacks, but not in but not in blitzing percentage. So what's crazy is that a team like the Ravens, who are the number one, I don't even like saying that name, I'm sorry, but they're the the, the top blitzing team in the NFL, where they fell in the sack department, they're down there pretty good. They weren't even 40. They were 39, which I don't actually have this as a ranking. I'm trying to ballpark it because they're just listed by name and not actually numbered. They're about probably about 12th to 14th if I'm just ballparking it, trying to look at the numbers. So they blitz a lot, but they don't always necessarily get to the quarterback. 
But here's the other thing with the Steelers. Not only do they get sacks, they blew the NFL out of the water in pressures in 2020. They were the only team over 200 pressures on the season. They had 213. The next closest was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 189. So the Steelers were at a 35.1% pressure rate. And the next closest was actually the Philadelphia Eagles um, with 27.9% pressure rate. So if you look at that, that's pretty impressive that they're, they're putting the quarterback under duress, which is what you want to do. Even if you don't get home with your sacks, you got to get the pressure there. So how about, how about the other two stats? How about hurries and knockdowns? So they pressure the quarterback. Then what was also considered a hurry, the Steelers were second in the NFL in hurries. They had 77 behind the, the Patriots had 79. So therefore, in the percentage, the Steelers were second behind the Patriots. They were 12.7% to the Patriots, 14.3%. So that's pressures, hurries. And then the other big one is quarterback knockdowns, where they did get the ball away. They weren't sacked, but they were still taken to the ground. Steelers led the NFL with 80 knockdowns. Next actually was the Baltimore Ravens with 77. So the Ravens, they got to the quarterback and knocked him down a lot, but man, they were, what was that? 17 sacks fewer than the, than the Steelers, but only three fewer knockdowns. So they weren't getting home as much. And of course the Steelers had the highest knockdown percentage, uh, which was 15.2%. So those were some interesting numbers from, from 2020. Now, we don't know how much the blitzing corresponds with that. It's, I mean, obviously you're, it's a lot easier to get some pressure and, and everything when you're blitzing. Bottom line is you want pressure. If you have a high blitz percentage and not a high pressure percentage, that's not good. That's not good because it means your, your blitzing is not effective and therefore why bother in essence? So the Steelers, the numbers line up that say, hey, you're getting the pressure. You're, we're, they're bringing the blitz. It's all kind of working. So I don't know that it's any reason to increase the number of blitzes or whatnot because it seems to be going pretty effective as they're as, at the top of the NFL. So now we're going to go ahead and take our, our, our break here. And when we come back, we're going to compare those 2020 numbers to the last two years and kind of see how the trends are going and um, maybe even try to say what I'm saying. It's kind of tough to do sometimes project what will happen with the Steelers in 2021 and, and their defense. So stick around. We'll be right back after you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
And we are back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Once again, want to thank Jerry Cherry for the music. We really appreciate that, that we are able to use here on our podcast and Behind the Steel Curtain. I have to say, make sure that you are checking out as many podcasts as you can. We are bringing all kinds to you. And when we're starting to implement some more as training camp gets going, we're adding some some new podcasts. They were outlined. That was last Friday. Uh, Brian Anthony Davis was on with Jeff Hartman on last Friday's Let's Ride. They they laid out, it's not like we're just going to be throwing so much more content. We're trying to bring something different with all of our shows. So that's that's the goal. And I, it's funny because then it makes me sit back and think, what, what am I bringing that's different with, with my shows? Well, you've got Stat Geek, that kind of speaks for itself. We do a lot of numbers, and we'll try to break things down there. Um, for those of you that have ever listened to me on uh, on the Scobro show that I do with my brother, that's really a family show. It's about you know, kind of being family, how you would be with your family as Steeler fans, things like that. Not that we talk about that, but it's kind of the way that we run stuff. And then I always have a blast on on Thursday nights doing the Steelers preview with uh, Jeff Hartman and Brian Anthony Davis. That's just kind of like our flagship podcast of various things that we do. And of course, during the season where we're previewing the upcoming matchup. So um, make sure you uh, keep an eye out for these new podcasts that we have coming out. Um, I'm kind of excited to check them all out myself. So let's get back into our numbers. We were looking at sacks, pressures, hurries, knockdowns, blitz rate, all those things dealing with putting pressure on the quarterback by the defense. We broke down the 2020 numbers. The Steelers, when it came to to blitzing, they had the the third highest blitzing percentage. They're one of the one of three teams over 40%. I did forget to say that it didn't mean that they had they were that high with the actual blitzes that they did. Because when it came to actual blitzes, they were seventh because there were other teams that were ahead of them. Um, but weren't considered to have, you know, as many, well, they didn't see as many um, passing attempts. The Steelers did as some of these other teams. Like, for example, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. I'll just pull out a random one. They actually blitzed nine times more on the season, nine times more on the season than the Steelers did. But they were a much lower percentage because they saw 674 passing attempts where the Steelers only saw 526 passing attempts is what is what we're looking at there. So that's just kind of how those numbers go. But for the blitz percentage, the Steelers were third. When it came to hurries and hurry percentage, the Steelers were second in the league. When it came to quarterback knockdowns and knockdown percentage, they were first in the NFL. They were first in sacks in the NFL. And they were first by a ton when it came to pressure and pressure rate, you know, pressure percentage. So that's what they did in 2020. If you want to look back to 2019, the Steelers did not blitz nearly as much as they did in 2020. Because in 2020, the Steelers blitzed 244 times for a 40.3 percentage. In 2019, they blitzed 218 times for a 36.9 percentage. That percentage, you know, was significantly lower. That was seventh in the NFL. Seventh most. And what's crazy is, is the Baltimore Ravens, they blitzed 329 times in 2019. Three, three twenty nine. That's, I mean, that's 
more than they did in 2020. They were 290 in 2020. But um, that 329, that had them at a 54.9% blitz rate. My goodness, that's an awful lot of blitzing. And once again, it did not pay off hugely in the sack department. They were middle of the league when it came to sacks with 37. Actually, they were past the middle of the league um, with 37 sacks. So they're not as efficient with finishing off the quarterback as the Steelers were. But once again, the Steelers in twenty in 2019 was much like 2020. They led the NFL in, in pressures and printer pressure percentage. Now it wasn't as much as 2020. Um, they had 180 pressures for a 30.5%. Um, and they were the only team that was over 30%. But remember last year, they were 35%, 35.1. So that was good in 2019 and got even better in 2020. So they led the league in sacks. They led the league in pressures. When it came to hurries, they were they were top 10. They had 70 hurries, which was a very similar, you know, a little bit less than what they had in 2020, where they had 77 hurries. Um, and they had, so in 2020, there were 77 hurries, 12.7%. In 2019, they were 70 hurries, 11.8%. So not not as much before, but they were still getting the pressure and they were still getting the sacks. When you look at quarterback knockdowns, they were fourth in the NFL with 56 and a um and a percentage of 10.9%, which was actually second in the in the league by 0.1%. So they were still doing very well in the knockdown category in 2019, where they had 56, where last year they had 80. So if you look at this, they had great numbers in 2019 and they got even better in 2020. So if, if we want to look back at 2018, that was kind of one of the Steelers when it came to defense. The Steelers' defense kind of really started to improve when they added Joe Hayden. That was like the first step. Okay, Then 2019, well, I mean, it wasn't the first step. That was a big step because you had T.J. Watt come in in 2017 where he was drafted. Then you had added Joe, you know, and also added Joe Hayden, and that – kind of gave them another step. 2017 was also, they had a solid defense, but then they, then, then they had the loss of Ryan Shazier. So 2018 was a team, was a team that was kind of figuring stuff out. The Steelers admitted they didn't really address the inside linebacker situation the way they should have. That's why, you know, in 2019, they drafted Devin Bush. Um, so that 2018 is kind of one of those lost, years in the middle, not lost, but I mean, the Steelers didn't make the playoffs and you're kind of wondering what's going on when, when it came to their, to their sacks. Once again, they were top of the league in sacks. They were tied actually with Kansas city chiefs with 52, but in 2018, um, they blitzed 246 times, 246 times, which was two more than what they did in 2020, but they were just, um, a little bit lower in the percentage column. They were 38.7. Both of those numbers had them second in the NFL, only behind the Ravens. So the last three years, the Ravens have blitzed more than anybody else. Now in 2018, the Ravens had more sacks than they'd been getting the last couple of years. They had 43, but their, their constant blitzing hasn't 
produced the sacks that it has, where the Steelers, they're still getting the sacks. Pressures. 2018, the Steelers weren't getting the pressure the way they had before. Um, when it came to NFL rank, they had 175 pressures, which had them in ninth place um, in the in the NFL. Sorry, I was just making sure I counted that correctly. Um, ninth place in the NFL in their pressures with one, with 175. Well, remember there were over 200 last year, so that is once again wasn't bad in 2018. It was great in 2019 and 2020 was even better. So that just kind of shows you the trend of this team right now. So they have that 100, they have the pressures. Now let's look at the hurries real quick. Their hurries, whoo, middle of the road, 71, 11.2%, middle of the road of, of the NFL. Um, but what, which is crazy because most of the NFL was over 10% in 2018. Very few were over 10% in 2019. It was just one of those things. Um, when, when we look at it, I was going to try to see how many. Um, only about 10 teams went over 10% in 2019. And in 2020, when it came to the hurry percentage, it, it wasn't nearly as much. So in 2018, it wasn't nearly as much with the Steelers were that bad. It's that the rest of the NFL was doing better. So the last thing is comes with the knockdowns. The Steelers were still doing well with, with the quarterback knockdowns. They had 52 um, knockdowns in 2018, where if you compare that, um, still wasn't anywhere close to the 80 that they had in 2020. But that gives you three years of numbers to kind of see how they were progressing. So they were, they were, you know, pretty good at a lot of these stats in 2018 and got way better in 2019 to where they were, you know, towards the top of the league and everything. 2020, they just kind of blew it out of the water with a lot of these things. I mean, so many pressures and everything else. Will they continue that for 2021? That's a, that's the big question. That's the million dollar question. And the reason I say that is because it's, it's difficult because first of all, the Steelers, they do have a much more difficult schedule ahead this year. And when I actually looked it up based on stuff from the 2020 season, they actually aren't playing better defenses. The defenses they played last year actually had better numbers than the, of the teams that they play that they're going to be playing this year, but they are playing much better offenses. So that's going to really come down to see what they can do. Yes, the Steelers lost Bud Dupree. They have Alex Highsmith. They're not the same player. They aren't. They they play the same position, but they're you can't ask Alex Highsmith to be Bud Dupree, and you weren't going to ask Bud Dupree to be Alex Highsmith. They are they are not the same player. They have different strengths, different weaknesses, and the Steelers what they are good at as good as anybody is trying to play to the strengths of their players. That's not, oh, you got to get better at this because you're weak. No, it's you're really good at this. Get even better, and we'll make sure we utilize that. So it'll be interesting to see how the Steelers use Alex Highsmith and utilize Alex Highsmith for the best of his abilities going forward. Um, The Steelers' secondary is not going to be the same. So we'll have to see with with what's going on at the cornerback position – our quarterback's going to be able to throw faster against the Steelers, and therefore they're not going to get those sack and pressure numbers that they would otherwise. I don't know. But then you also bring back Devin Bush. And I laid this out on a previous episode 
that when it came to the num strictly with the numbers, when it came to sacks, that where the Steelers saw the biggest drop off was after the loss of Devin Bush, not not after losing Mike Hilton, not in games where they lost Bud Dupree. But where you saw a biggest difference was not having Devin Bush. Now, granted, Devin Bush was always there with those other two. So it's just, it is what it is. But that's the numbers. That's the numbers. So do I think the Steelers could improve on their pressures and their sacks and their and their hurries and things like that? I think you're going to see higher numbers strictly because of the 17-game schedule. But What's most important is that you look at those percentages. How are those percentages looking? Like that 35.1% pressure rate they had last year. They don't have to improve it. They don't have to go up another 5% like they did from 2019 to 2020. If they just maintain that, that would still be fantastic. Or even a slight improvement would be wonderful. So to me, looking at the Steelers' defense is looking at the strength of this team. And so many people were down on the Steelers and they talk about Ben Roethlisberger and they talk about the offensive line. They talk about this, they talk about that. But really the big thing is the defense. And the defense, every loss that they had was a calculated loss. You know, they knew they couldn't afford Bud Dupree and that's part of the reason why you drafted Alex Highsmith the year before. And if Alex Highsmith wouldn't have had the season that he did last year, they probably would have looked for Ed Rusher higher in this draft to help replace Dupree. The fact that they didn't, tells you that they think that they have something in Alex Highsmith. And the Steelers could have signed Mike Hilton over Cam Sutton and chose not to. They chose Cam Sutton over Mike Hilton. And the Steelers chose to make Steven Nelson a cap casualty. That's what that was the decision they made. So they and they didn't go out and add anyone major. Um I mean that like Arthur Millette's into the mix is like one of the additions that they had that came from another team. But really, they didn't go out and make any big splash moves, which tells you they're pretty happy with what they have in general. So I'm I'm still looking at this defense to lead the way for 2021, and I'm really hoping that it's their pressure, sacks, all those things that they do with getting to the quarterback, whether they're having to do it with the blitz or without the blitz. I don't want to see them having to blitz on every play in order to have any success. Um, but it does seem that when they do, they are getting some overall success. And that's what we want to see based on the numbers. So those are my geeky numbers for you this week. I hope they weren't too geeky. And I still want to ask if you can STLR super fan dad, that's my Twitter handle STLR super fan dad at gmail.com. That's my email. Hit me up. Ask me a stats question. I'll, I'll give you credit for it. We'll dive into the numbers and then we'll get into real Steelers football for 2021. So I can't wait to get back to you next week because the Steelers might already be meeting at the facility by that time. Um, and I know in two weeks they'll already have practiced and that's fantastic. So uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, thanks for geeking out with me.